Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Here are the nominees for actress in a leading role. Judy Dench in Mrs. Henderson Presents. Charlize Theron in North Country. Kira Knightley in Pride and Prejudice. Felicity Huffman in Transamerica. Reese Witherspoon in Walk the Line. And the Oscar goes to Reese Witherspoon, Walk the Line. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2006 Ceremony Year win for Reese Witherspoon. This is her first of two nominations, but her first and only win for the movie Walk the Line. Um, today I'm joined by a familiar voice and one of the audience favorites. It's David Brennan, and we're so happy to have him back. Hi, David. Hi, thanks for having me again. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's kind of crazy times, but, uh, you know, this has been, you know, either lockdown or not, uh, such a treat to be on, on the, on the podcast, Kyle. And, uh, I love, uh, love watching the movies and chatting with you about them. Oh yeah. No, I always love having you on the podcast. Every time I do, I always get a message from my mom. She's like, Oh, I just love that David. He's <laughs> just awesome. So love it. Know. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, I will say that, yeah, this has been kind of a crazy week for all of us, uh, depending on where you are in the world listening to this. You know, I'm in I'm in Toronto in Canada and like we are dodging Omicron bullets like Neo mm. from the Matrix um, <laughs> as much as we can, of course. Yes. Uh, because most people that I know in my circle have it and I have been avoiding social gatherings and basically everything like the plague because I don't have that fancy N95 mask. I just <laughs> do masks. Um, and it's obviously putting the whole damper on Christmas and New Year's and stuff. But from what I hear, Omicron is this season's must have. <laughs> it's the Furby. It's yep. the elf on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you have any exciting uh, holiday plans coming up? No. Um, <laughs> this is it, baby. I did get my boost on Monday in Ottawa. Um, there's this cool renegade doctor, and it's a thing she holds called Jabapalooza. So uh, I got I got in early, and uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, the rest of us can get that shot. It's crazy. I also, oh, I don't know if you saw this. Maybe you didn't. I got a picture of uh, outside the LCBO the other day. Because uh, they were trying to get the rapid tests, and the guy had the sign of like written a black marker on cardboard, like no rapid tests. And I put it on Twitter, and then it kind of blew up. Like, and all these uh, reporters like, interviewing me. And, like, <laughs> I yeah. saw that. Yeah, yeah little, I made like the front page. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You're a photographer now. You're paparazzi. I, guess. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. Why was that guy like? Because he was holding the sign saying that they don't have rapid tests. Yeah. Like, why didn't they just put it up on like the wall? <laughs> I think he loved it. I loved the spotlight. And then mm-hmm. people like just shrugged their shoulders and like, all right. And then they went into buy booze. <laughs> That's funny. I actually I tried because whenever um, I found out that I was exposed to because I did a couple shows last week and then we since found out that a few of those people that um, I had performed with had tested positive. They were like 
nobody here can get a PCR test because in Toronto, everybody's from somewhere. And in order to travel, you have to have a negative COVID test. So all of the appointments are completely gone because it's holiday season. So even if you do have symptoms, how the fuck can you get... The whole system makes no sense. It's incredibly inefficient. And um, if you spend $200, though, you can go and get it within, you know, the hour. Woo! Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, some pharmacies, you can call and say that you were exposed. They might do it for free. I don't know. But uh, it's just kind of a giant shit show right here down in Toronto. Yes. And, like, when I was told that I was exposed to it, um, I kind of just isolated for a bit. I don't have any symptoms at all. But I took a test today, and I'm negative. So, good, you know, we're going good. with that. Oh, yeah. man. Strange. I time. called the LCBO though, and uh, they were like, which, by the way, anybody listening to the LCBO, this is our uh, liquor store. Uh, run by I the province. LC- <laughs> run by the province, yes. And I, I called them, and they just picked up and they're like, hi, we don't have any, uh, you know, tests, and we don't know anybody that does. And that was their hello. So, second question Do you have food and wine magazine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I'm looking at that right now as we speak, oh, actually. <laughs> I love that magazine. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes. lots of COVID stuff going on. Everybody stay safe and get your N95 mask. Yes. Vaccines. Uh, so that being said, uh, it was so easy to watch these movies because mm-hmm. I've had quite a bit of free time. Um, this is so a strange just... time back in 2005, too, with some of these. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. The fir- okay, so let's just, let's just jump into it. So the first... Sure. Uh, nominee that I would like to talk about is, um, you know, big old disgusting Kira Knightley in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> and the reason why I preface it by saying big old disgusting Kira Knightley is because according to the movie, she's supposed to be the plain, unfortunate looking daughter. Okay. You know, she right. was twin to Natalie Portman in Star Wars. And it's like, yeah, she's a real snaggletooth yeti, that Kira Knightley, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, she, she's a real stunt double type. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's just it 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 really always it's like okay if you needed a plain looking girl for your film, yeah, there are plenty that you can to choose pick from. from. But instead, Anyone. you go with like supermodel Kira Knightley and call her plain. I'm sorry, but that just pisses me off. The camera adores her. It yes. picks up everything. She just has that extra thing. And like she's obviously very beautiful, but she's got that kooky little mouth, those little yeah. teeth of hers, and I, I I I like to look at it. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also yeah. opposite playing her sister is uh is it Rosamond Pike? Rosamond Pike, yeah. And she is like out there too, right? It's like all these uh, beautiful Donald Sutherland daughters, eh? <laughs> Which side note, Do- Donald Sutherland? I guess that he just didn't have to do a British accent, like. Yeah, you're right. He didn't uh, didn't punch in. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think at one point he was like, he was like, goodness, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Um, okay, so Pride and Prejudice is by some unknown author, Jane Austen. It's I don't been know. lost in the records. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think this was her only hit, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it basically is about like your typical, or maybe at the time this was groundbreaking, but it's the 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 rich uh, bachelor interested in the plain old Kira Knightley, and she doesn't mm-hmm. have much to offer, and her birth is of ill repute, and so <laughs> you know, um, Mr. Darcy is slumming it with you know disgusting Kira Knightley. 
Um, <laughs> and there are so many things within the movie that prevent them from getting together where you always think like, oh my God, Mr. Darcy is an asshole. But then you find <laughs> out that he had good intention and then they end up together and they finger in the field. There you go. Gorgeous. Um, absolutely. And it's very, the cinematography is breathtaking. Kira Knightley mm-hmm. is not as pouty because the director literally said to her, you are not going to be pouty in this film. And then the one day that he wasn't there, she actually was pouty. And what? then he came out. Yeah, he saw <laughs> it. And he was like, oh, you fucking <laughs> is the Is the pout girl. like her, uh, is the pout her crutch? Or does she, uh, she do that one a lot? <laughs> oh, of course. Oh. Caribbean, she's always playing Who's Prettier with friggin' uh, Jack Sparrow. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so Kira Knightley in this movie is extremely well cast, and this is kind of the beginning of her, because everyone says that she just lives in the past, because you have, like, this Anna Karenina atonement, etc., and yes. so all of her, this is kind of her niche, um, and uh, she actually was not nominated for the BAFTA, but Brenda Blethyn, who plays her mother in the movie, was, and frankly, I think that she probably should have been nominated for the Academy Award. She was great. Uh, she was, and um, Kira Knightley in this movie, you know, um, the thing is, is this is obviously very much like a different time, and I'm very aware that I'm watching these ridiculous kind of big characters, but I do feel like Kira Knightley was the right choice because she kind of grounds it and brings reality to a somewhat um, flamboyant type of acting where it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you're very aware that you're watching, like, a play, for example, but Kira Knightley makes it kind of real in my... She's yeah. like a real character, a real person. Yeah, and she is, uh, I think, owning every moment with, like, subtlety. And we can get into this later, but I think in terms of the material she's working with is so much richer than yes. some of the screenplays for our other films. Um, and it, it, there's, like, a lot of space in this. There's a lot of breath. The pastorals, like you said, the cinematography, uh, gorgeous. And it, it's really hard in these, you know, Jane Austen pieces to move the plot along because they're always a dance to go to. And... You can only talk a few lines, and then you have to take a dance, and then you can like say something else to someone. So these things, these love triangles, take a lot of time. <laughs> Absolutely, and not to not to flog a dead horse, but I just have to say this again: the reason why the whole you know Kira Knightley being the plain Jane uh, sister, the reason why that shit pisses me off as much as it does, and I clearly will not let this go, is because when when young women they watch that shit on screen. They go like, oh, she's plain? Mm. So then what am I? It sends out the most fucked up... I, I, I absolutely... Anyway, I, I'm done with it, and I'm going to move on. But I know I wrote, what you mean. You know, I wrote so many things about this where I was like, I really like casting. Like, she's amazing in the movie. She was the right choice. But just mm-hmm. the fact that they keep calling her plain because the character is supposed to be, you know, maybe <laughs> she was the wrong choice then. I don't know, but it, it, it really irked me. It really bugged yeah. me. It's really hard, eh? This is like an Oscar period, and we'll get into Charlize and North Country, and and yeah, where you know it's this sort of metamorphosis thing, or you know, like really just trying to ugly up a beautiful person, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I'm I'm sometimes I'm here for it. I mean, Charlize in, in Monster, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, fuck me up with all of the gas station bathroom haircuts and cleaning her armpits. And I love it. I would love to see a celebrity eat out of a garbage can. I love that. But just specifically in this movie, it's like, it's like, oh, so, okay. Okay. And then I'll stop talking about it. But literally, Joe Wright, the director, thought that she was too pretty, which like, she's gorgeous. She's Keira Knightley. 
And then he met her and then said, oh, no, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's good. It's going to (laughs) work. But, you know, it's all, this movie, very tasteful, very fancy. um, And it obviously takes a tremendous amount of skill to carry this type of picture because it is um, very well known and it's a Mm -hmm. classic. So this is a very academic type of performance, very technical. And Kira Knightley knocks that out of the park. Again, this is like the beginning of her so many period piece type films. And so um, I think that if this has kind of been her niche in her career, clearly she's shone in this role and this was a huge success for her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right. Like, she, you're, you look at the IMDb and it's like going through a museum. Like, it's got all the uh, hits of history. But uh, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of pressure because I guess the, the there was a BBC, the Colin Firth one has always been very popular. That's older, but... And I'm sure they'll remake it again, but uh, yeah, it's nice because if you cover a classic and and you know kind of botch it, that it's just kind of gone. No one's going to remember that movie, right? And it, most people actually um, were some it, people are very fifty fifty about this because I think she was nominated for the Golden Globe, but she was not nominated for the BAFTA. But then she was nominated for the Oscar, and some people mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, she should have won," and some people were like, "Why was she nominated?" And you know, I I think that. In this film specifically, I don't know if there was any sort of specific big Oscar moment, mm-hmm. but I do think that um, this is a very rich and like uh, a very fancy language, heavy script. And that in itself is like a job on top of the acting and also trying to remember how people would act during this time. And um, uh, this film is actually set during the time when uh the uh okay so this movie was set in 19 1797 when the book was written but apparently in the book it actually takes place in like 18 something okay. but joe wright didn't like the clothing style no. so he set it to 1797 to reflect how jane austen's mm. time was whenever she wrote it so he just, I guess, wanted to, maybe that's just like an aesthetic thing, but regardless, yeah. this is a very historically specific piece. And um, I think it takes a tremendous amount of skill to ground and bring reality to such an iconic film or uh, book, sorry, and character. And I think that she does it very, very well, where I do find that some of her siblings are a little over the top and I'm very aware that I'm watching them in like a play, you know? Right. Like, Yes. Where she, I don't get that from Kira. Like she, she did, she didn't have like a big Oscar moment for me, but just it's overall a very good, exquisite work. We should mention the scene with our other nominee, Judy Dench, uh, where I think uh, as Elizabeth, she totally holds her own. And that's a great square off between those two. You know, you're a a spoiled little girl or whatever she calls it. (laughs) Selfish girl. Absolutely. Yeah. She's so pissed. It's, it's, It's great. It's great. I always love whenever, I mean, I could literally just watch like Judy Dench and Kira Knightley in a period piece, slinging out bitchy one-liners back and forth <laughs> for an hour and a half. And I totally. would be fine. Totally. You, know? you, you old cow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I also so, love, uh, sorry, I have to shout out to the guy playing this, uh, Mr. Collins, the, relig- the priest guy or whatever with his little weird haircut. And he yes. tries to propose to Kira Knightley. And she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That the dude, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell me about the haircut. Oh, no, I mean, that's like Toronto hot, you know? <laughs> for yeah. for everyone, maybe it's like kind of 
thinning up top, but it's like going a bit mullet at the back. Yep. Toronto hot. That's Toronto great. hot. Perfect. Um, so, you know, obviously her relationship with Mr. Darcy, she thinks that he's an asshole. And then like, you find out that he isn't and that, um, you know, it, turned out, um, it turns out he's on this hit show called Succession, and, and now it's hard to watch him in any other role because he's not uh, Tom Wamsgam or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, so his name in real life is uh, – oh, God, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Matthew, Matthew MacTadian? I don't know. Anyway, but he is – okay, in this movie, he's kind of like Frankenstein a little bit. He doesn't really say much. Like, <laughs> That's great. That's great. Totally. <laughs> You know, he just kind of doesn't really say much. He's just like, oh, of course not. And he just kind of, you know, people like hang their coats on him because he has absolutely no presence. And then, and then, um, you know, I, I started watching Succession literally last week mm-hmm. because people kept talking about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And he is like the slimiest, yeah. wormiest little bitch. I hate his character. And I'm like, oh my God. I cannot unsee yeah. his succession character now. Like when I watch, <laughs> excuse me, Pride and Prejudice, all I'm going to see is this character from Succession. Absolutely. Very I can't well. think I, of I can't think of another actor recently that's had that kind of effect on me. Where you go back yes. and you're like, oh no, I can't square this anymore. You're you're Tom. I saw what you did. I know. I know. <laughs> no spoilers. No, no Succession spoilers. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I'm only on the first season. No, so no, like, no. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. He totally fills it out. But yeah, I love that. He's like a Frankenstein uh, coat hanger in this. <laughs> he is, and then and then I don't even know if Kira Knightley really knows the extent of it because her character, you know, they go to like his big fucking estate mansion and there's all those sculptures, and then she sees the one of his head that's made out of marble, and then she realized <laughs> like, fuck, I should have said yes because he proposed, and she said no. You see that thing he's got? It's marble. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um. You know, overall, like, in this um, movie, I think for me, like, seriously, I think that if I had to pick an Oscar moment is whenever she had to care or pretend to care when Lydia ran off with, like, to get eloped. Yeah. And she's, like, crying like she genuinely gives a shit. Yeah. Give her the Oscar just for that moment because it's like, wow, like, who cares? <laughs> like, Love it. Hand it She'll over. be home tomorrow. Like, it's all good. Yeah, we got this. um i also love movies where it's a much simpler time and you have lines where it's like will he come to the ball tomorrow papa (laughs) like those it's like those are their biggest problems absolutely the invite list is a lot of the conversation oh yeah absolutely (laughs) i i you know it this movie like turns me on in a very tasteful way yeah yeah it's very it's nice i like the courtship it's the chase yeah yeah and, uh, you know, I think there was, there were a lot of like wandering reflection scenes on Kira Knightley's part where she was wearing a jacket that she wouldn't button up, but she would close together with <laughs> her arms folded and she would just reflect into the wind and the distance. And that's yeah. when the cloudiness came out and yeah, and like, oh, like who's prettier, me or the wind, you know, just, <laughs> she's like me. And like, I, this movie is very tasteful very well acted Kira Knightley was the right choice it's just yeah. a, a great great movie to watch with a bottle of wine it's highly recommend love it yeah Emma Thompson has uncredited writing uh has an uncredited writing 
friend. <laughs> really? For does that make sense? She has she or she doesn't have a credit for writing, but she should. It's uncredited. Wow, okay, she did some work. Yeah. And then she because yeah. she did the Sense and Sensibility, which was on our previous episode. She had a hand yes. in that. Huh. Yes. And she almost lost that script entirely because the file got deleted on her. That's computer. right. That's what it was. Yes. Yes. We've covered that. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Jane Austen was originally going to call the movie First Impressions. Okay. Yeah, um, which, uh, did I say movie? I meant book. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't is, even notice. This is where we're at in society. Oh, yeah. But we, but we still say as comedians, we're like, send me a tape. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I, that one I find weird, but I, I say it all the time. Um, <laughs> Rosamund Pike turned down the role of Rita Skeeter in The Goblet of Fire to play in this movie. Huh. And uh, this was the theatrical movie debut of Carrie Mulligan. Oh, big fan of hers. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we move on about specifically Keira Knightley's performance? uh nope covered it loved it nuanced subtle appropriate yep Yep. she was she she she, yeah she definitely she she made it believable she made it real and the movie was i'm very aware that i'm you know watching something that's based off of an old book and she actually made it extremely realistic and believable and Mm -hmm. uh i think it was the subtlety of her performance that really earned her the nomination and as you said you know the judy dench and her just like going back and forth is just like a chef's kiss um, okay, so I forgot to mention this at the beginning. So uh, this Oscar year uh, was the controversial year where the best picture went to Crash and not Brokeback Mountain uh, yes. because the uh, voting academy is predominantly, you know, old, straight, white men. So that was kind of the controversy there. But uh, Ang Lee did win Best Director, mm-hmm. uh, which many people argue that Best Picture and Best Director are kind of the same thing. Uh, he was the first Asian to ever win an Oscar for Best Director. Um, Best Supporting Actress went to Rachel Weisz for The Constant Gardener. Best Supporting Actor went to George Clooney for Syriana. And uh, Best Actor went to Philip Seymour Hoffman for Capote. Ah. So, um, R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, So let's talk about Judi Dench and Mrs. (laughs) Henderson Presents. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, this is based on the true story of Laura Henderson, who died in 1994, and she was the owner of the Windmill Theater. That was controversial for the time because they had actual nudity at the theater, which was similar to what they did at the Moulin Rouge uh, in France. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, a, a moulin is a a, a windmill, right. um, so that's why it's the windmill theater. And uh, <laughs> the actual theater closed in 1964 and was converted into a cinema. And Judy Dench in this movie plays Mrs. Henderson. So uh, at first, it's like her husband dies. Then she decides to open a theater because she's filthy rich and she just can do whatever she wants. Then the ticket sales aren't really doing great. So then they amp it up by adding nudity and then (laughs) meeting places begin to copy this format. And then they get even more raunchier by having like constant shows throughout the day. And then world war two starts to happen and they still perform out of spite. And uh, (laughs) you know, this movie was easily my least 
favorite movie. <laughs> um, I could not find it anywhere. Yeah, and you sent me I this think link. there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. With, you sent me a link with Spanish subtitles. See, <laughs> see, <laughs> okay. Because here's the problem with this movie. If you have seen this movie, the problem is that there's way too many things going on. You have the theater and 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 the success of the theater. You have war. You have um, the issues with the the young ladies that are choosing to get naked. Uh, you have <laughs> the story of uh, uh, Bob Hoskins, who is the theater manager, director, creative, whatever. And you don't. It's very unclear, like what his purpose is, other than just running the theater and what his relationship is with Judy Dench, because it's implied that Judy Dench is in love with him. But then they, she gets angry about it, and then they never really kind of uh-huh. go back. There were so many things going on. <laughs> That I didn't really care about any of them, and then the movie just ended. And it yeah. was like, all right, what did you think about this movie? As opposed to uh, Pride and Prejudice, who, which is a place I like to visit, you know, in the mind when you watch, I did not sure. like being in the world of this film. I did <laughs> not like the feelings it made me feel. Um, <laughs> I don't know why exactly they made this movie. I don't know what the whole uh, point is. You're right, it's kind of like script is a a bit all over the place and then like there's just these crazy scenes of these nude reviews but there's always music and then there's the war and i don't know what mrs henderson is trying to present us with here i know Uh, a very confusing plot i think that's (laughs) what it was because you know at the very beginning some things that i really enjoyed you know i mean it's judy dench of course she's going to be also, it, it is kind of a different role for her because she usually plays those sort of like authority figures yeah. in some old period piece and you do not fuck with her character. Where yes. in this, she was a little bit more approachable, a little bit more likable, a little bit more sweet, a little bit more patient. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like a softer side of her. So perhaps um, the, the Academy was really recognizing like her range. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I think that uh, she has like a naive confidence. Her character has a very naive confidence of herself because of her privilege and her wealth. And she clearly demonstrates, you know, in the movie that she doesn't quite understand how the world works, but she doesn't care because she mm-hmm. simply has so much money. It just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that it doesn't matter to her. So in that sense, her performance is very believable. Um, but, you know, uh she always has something to say and she always can fix things and she can always just pay people off. And so, you know, I think that's kind of a bit of a comedy there, but then she's also um, a master of disguise. Yeah. She dressed up as like a, (laughs) a a polar bear. I think She's a polar bear. And then she's in Japanese attire to sneak back into this. So she gets banned from the theater by Bob Hoskins because they have a fight. Or no, sorry, she self-exiles from the theater. And then she's like, I want to know what's going on with this hot new nude show they got going on. So she dresses up in uh, traditional, I guess, Japanese garb with full, like, makeup. Full kabuki makeup. (laughs) It's a little strange. (laughs) Yeah, and slightly racist, but uh, (laughs) it was 2006, so it's fine. Um, Can we say, uh, at the end, she gives this speech about why she wanted to open the theater involving her son who died in the war. Is that a spoiler? 
I mean, again, like it, these movies are so old, it doesn't okay. matter. It's a 15 year spoiler. So. so, her big moment after the bombing and everything, she's got the whole town gathered around and she says, I do what I do because when my son got gassed in France, I found a nudie pic on this body or they gave it to her and she thought it was really sad. So, she thought that the young men should have live nudity to go and watch because yeah. life is so terrible because of the war. So a little jerk-off pick is like her Oscar moment. She's telling this story. But Kyle, as you know, at this point, you've already seen the dancing polar bear. And they have a scene where they line up all the women topless and ridicule them. <laughs> yeah. Well, she is getting the tits out there for the boys, you know? British and nipples. That was, her, that was her doing her service. <laughs> I so. don't know how I feel about Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> She's... She's a she's a complicated person who is very flamboyant and she always gets, the only time that she doesn't have anything to say is just when you find out that Bob Hoskins has a wife and then she's very upset. Yeah. And like, oh, so then this will lead to like a a romance, like and then there'll be like conflict with his no. wife and no. then that would have been more interesting. None no. of that happened. None of that happened. Just another number and another lady topless, and she's the Statue of Liberty for some reason. And right. there's a lot of work that went into the staging and choreography of these numbers. Um, but again, I don't know what was the. Do you know what was the audience reception to this film was in that year in 2005? Was people just? I... Is this like the mom movie? But is it good? I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, maybe, like, because it, and don't get me wrong, like, I love a good mom movie. Like, yeah. Fuck me up with some sure. mom movies. Absolutely. But I, I, I know what you mean, because I remember during this time, like, there was, like, for, like, Chicago was like a mom Sure. Movie. Big time. It, and I, I remember, um, I remember just like, maybe, it, okay, but, okay, so in, okay, in this movie. <laughs> So, like, in this movie, her catchphrase was basically just, like, I know, ain't I a stinker? And, like, <laughs> yeah. she was, like, the little naughty rascal, like, throughout the movie. And it was just... Right. I guess it was kind of interesting seeing Judy Dench, like, kind of in that sort of um, role. But, again, like, I just wasn't invested in no. any of the characters or the storyline. Do you remember when the pregnant woman, like, one of the girls... She, the girl that was pregnant, and she like is like, oh, like my, like the guy, he's going back to his girlfriend, and now I'm stuck pregnant, and then she goes full like Papa don't preach, fucking Madonna. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then she dies, and then I did not care no. at all. Like no. I was like, oh my god, like that was the extent of it. Like, do not care. Do not care. No, and um, um, she's off screen for quite a bit of it for um you know a leading role nomination which is maybe something we'll talk about with maybe even reese witherspoon herself um but uh yeah i i don't i don't i didn't like the visit to this world (laughs) i have to i have to agree with you and also her fucking husband died and she seems totally cool with it she's fine she's fine Uh, she was like oh let's just open a theater now you're like what yeah yeah uh yeah so this is like definitely peak judy dench mania is it is this just a bit before she's uh, in the james bond series i just feel like there is so much uh you know you know as well like 
how much it takes to get a movie made. So if they're making this mm-hmm. film, you know, they need an A-lister. Like, I don't know if anyone else was up for this role, right. like Helen Mirren or something. But I think maybe even if Judy Dench thought the script was iffy, it's like you have to do this role because there are so few movies with a female uh, lead. Right. Uh, especially a role her age. So I I get why the movie was made. I just don't know who this movie was for. (laughs) I agree with you. It it had an identity crisis. Absolutely. Yes. I think that it had an interesting beginning because I was like, oh, where is this going? And I think it had an interesting end because I think that if, if there was an Oscar moment, it is whenever she is standing up in that crowd of all of the soldiers when the bombs are dropping and then she explains why she opened the theater and, you know, we're having the tears and how she found the nudity and now she needs to bring tits to England. And I think that was probably the Oscar moment that grounds the confusing plot and all of like the, the, the pointlessness of, yeah. of the movie. Um, but I do simply have to agree with you in that, who is this movie for? And what was the point of it? I, I didn't walk away from it uh neither here nor there like it was like that just was so confusing to me to be good acting on her part oh yeah and uh yeah i finished this and then i had a bit of walk the line left to watch and it was glad because it was like a cleanse but yeah for me i think judy dench should maybe get the oscar for having to see bob hoskins dick yeah (laughs) i looked it yeah i i looked it up and he's done a lot of nude scenes oh he's a little little pervy guy eh? roger rabbit i get it yeah, yeah. This uh, everybody decides to get naked, and that reminded me uh, that scene where it was like, "Oh, the guys will get naked too to make the girls feel more comfortable." I'm like, oh, "This feels like theater school. I'm uncomfortable." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily I never had to endure that. Man, um, but uh, I will say, okay. So there are two things that I'll say about this movie before we move on. So okay. the line where she says uh, the milk whenever she's standing up in the room and she's talking about people that are working in the milk line and then she gets corrected and they're like the bread line and she's like oh sorry the bread line that was actually a genuine mistake oh nice uh and then i just the uh uh director stephen frayers thought mm-hmm. that it was funny so he kept it and then uh, the other thing that i want to say this has nothing to do with the movie but this is just a fact from this time which i think is just sort of interesting to know uh, on more of a serious tone so uh homosexual men obviously this was a crime during that time even though the war was actually won by alan turing who yes who was gay and then got castrated thank you so much great point but uh you were actually if you were gay you were not allowed to serve uh and they usually uh covered that up uh rather than like persecuting you so um it was considered really bad for morale um to have a gay person in your like unit so perfectly healthy men were turned away um and so like since like recruiting officers like refused to admit that homosexuality existed in the first place they actually paid doctors to falsify medical reports um just saying that these men had like a disability as a pretext for Mm. why their volunteers were being turned away and that's why there were gay men in the theater in the film because they couldn't serve and i'll be Ah. honest with you uh if i couldn't I can't, I'm not allowed to donate blood in 2021, which is still yes. hilarious to me. Um, and uh, the fact that they weren't even allowed to uh, serve, I'll be honest with you, I'd be like, 
Okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I'm not gonna go die in vain for a country that doesn't give a shit about me. You know I'm, what I'm with saying? You, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. Take someone else. <laughs> be like, I'm good. That's that's fine. That's uh, fine. Exactly. Damn. Wow. Um, but thank you to all the LGBTQIA2 people who serve in our military. We appreciate your service. Absolutely. So, uh, that being said, let us move on from this. Uh, <laughs> let's call it movie Woo! to our next nominee. Um, Charlize Theron in North Country. Nice. So, first of all, for anybody that doesn't know what North Country is, it's another thing taking place in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And once you see that uh, uh, a movie is opening in Minnesota, where a movie star is in a courtroom with no makeup, with a Minnesota accent, it's going to be good. <laughs> Get some because Charlize playing. Theron, <laughs> yeah. So um, we also have uh, Frances McDormand reprising the Minnesota accent. Yes. And uh, this is based on a true story of Josie Ames, who. Uh, oh, wait. What? Oh, Josie in the movie Ames is based on Lois Jensen, who started at the factory in 1975 in Minnesota and in endured 13 years of harassment before filing the first lawsuit. And all of the harassment in this movie that came from the factory workers to the character Josie is all things that actually happened where mm -hmm. two women in porta-potties, it was tipped over, three men ejaculated on clothes in the locker rooms for the women. And um, in the movie, some of the women that were standing in court were real plaintiffs. Uh, and uh, in this film, Basically, this was one of the first class action sexual harassment lawsuits that kind of changed uh, the precedent of sexual harassment cases like worldwide. Mm -hmm. So basically, Charlize Theron is in an abusive marriage. She leaves to go live with her parents and kids. She can't afford anything. So she goes and works at the factory. But that's men's work. Yeah. So all of the men resent any of the women that work there and basically... Uh, harass them to the point where they would not want to work there, like taking shit and writing cunts on the wall in the locker room or uh, sexually harassing them, assaulting them, uh, attacking them. Uh, and then whenever any of the women would be like, hey, like this person attacked me, they'd be like, no, I didn't. And then all the men would just be on the men's side. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's 2021 and not much has changed. No. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, you know, this movie takes place like in the 80s, and uh, if this movie had a fragrance, it would be victim blaming. <laughs> uh, now available at the Bay um, <laughs> and participating Bay retailers. Um, so, what did you think about this movie? Yeah, uh, hard watch in a lot yeah. of places, uh, especially the you know the the real life abuse that took place being depicted um, as faithfully as as they chose to. Um, yeah, these these four women in conditions they're at their place of work, but it's like more like a jail movie. The there's terror and menace around every corner. Um, amazing cast. Um, not not all these amazing actors get uh, everything to do, but um, yeah, I thought it was th those scenes particularly at the mine are are crazy incredible. I didn't love some of the structure, the flashing back and forth to the court, and then we also got a dual flashback to Charlize Theron's character in high school. Right. Um, I thought the script was a little chunky that way, but uh, at its core, I think it gives a nice opportunity for 
uh, Charlize Theron to show off this thing. But uh, also, I think we're dealing with like, is it just her? Like, she wants like a Norma Jean movie, like Sally Field. Is she trying to not be as gorgeous as she is again? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I think that you kind of see the amazing acting skills that she has without the, like, monster makeup, you know? Right. And um, it becomes, I mean, first of all, like, the, you know, women feeling very uncomfortable going into the workplace and fear of being harassed and, you know, just always looking over their shoulder. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the true story of being a female comic. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know... I, I would I would also say that it did get a little frustrating how like literally no one was on her side ever, yeah. even yeah. her mother and her girlfriends. Yeah. That kind of got like exhausting throughout the movie because it's like, hey, in real life, uh, she actually put her daughter up for adoption because she couldn't afford the bills, and her father in real life actually encouraged her to work at the factory. Wow. Where in the movie he like resented her the whole time and and victim and was like, Oh well. You yes. deserve to be beaten by your husband because yes. you must have cheated on him or something. Terrible. Yeah. So there was a lot of things that were added on that got really annoying as a movie because you're yeah. like, hey, at one point, at some point, people would literally be like, this is just insane. Like these living and working conditions are just unbearable, you know? And uh, Maybe that was actually the case, but what I'm trying to say is the movie makes everybody seem like they're against her when in real life that wasn't actually the case. And when you're yeah. watching it as a viewer, it 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 becomes very draining and very tiring. Yeah, because um, they're playing with our sense of belief and disbelief. So, I mean, is this yes. the line between, is this a based on a true story? Is this an inspired by a true story? <laughs> right. I, I think a little bit of column A and a little bit of column Yeah, a. yeah. Even whenever she goes to, like, that head boss of the factory, the one that's yeah. way up there, and then he just goes, like, we're just going to go ahead. Oh, wait, no, we're from Minnesota. He's like, we're just going to go ahead and make <laughs> sure that, uh, what, you don't even have to give your two weeks notice. Yeah, you, we're going to fire an exception. you. And she just sits there. She doesn't even defend herself. Yeah. And you're like, I don't, wouldn't you in that moment be like, what? This is unprecedented. Like, you're just making things up. I mean, you want to talk about being gaslit. Just being like, that didn't happen. And I'm not sleeping with people. And I'm not having affairs with people. And where are you getting this information? Oh, God, yeah. Where is the proof? Like, there were a lot of things where there were moments where I was like, why? Because when she was at the hockey rink arena. Yes. And that woman confronts her like, hey, are you so-and-so? And And then she's like, you stay away from my husband. And like, they're screaming at each other. And she's like, yeah, slut, you whore. And then she's screaming (laughs) back at her. And she's like freaking out in front of like all of the uh, people. And and there's this big scene with her kids being dragged out. It's like clearly, but like clearly her character doesn't have a problem with like public incidents. So why when the boss was like, Mm -hmm. you can just quit now and clearly you're full of shit. Why would she not freak out then too and not speak up? So as a viewer, there were so many moments that it just became not believable anymore Yeah. because it was like, Hey, well, two seconds ago, you were having a public meltdown in front of like 500 people, but now you can't even defend yourself in front of a person with literal evidence in your hand. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. So that, 
it, it became it became a little frustrating for me. But that being said, I mean that's really more of like a script and like a director's choice. Yeah. Charlize Theron is like so perfect for this role. She's so perfect for this movie, and I think it's one of her best acted films ever. Yeah, I think the script fails her. And oh, and that scene in the hockey rink with the women and the fighting that was all like too real for me. My brother and sister played hockey in Hamilton, and that was like I grew up around that. Like that's like Ooh. a real thing. I know. Really. Uh, and, yeah, and then the mill too, like the steel mills, like in my hometown and stuff. So some of the the shots here, I'm just like, ooh, this rings a little true, you know. Like there's a lot of ooh. hockey in this movie. Like Woody Harrelson's an ex hockey player, and he's playing hockey everywhere. And I think when his character is introduced, I think it kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of Charlize uh, Theron's character's sails. Um, there's a scene in the bar where Michelle Monaghan, who is also uh, works at the mill and is the one who is terribly stuck in the porta potty and uh, mm. assaulted that way but she has a whole scene with Woody Harrelson and I'm like whoa the the camera just swung there like where's our lead she's at the karaoke part of the bar or something and it's also kind of strange because those two uh, Monaghan and, and Harrelson play husband and wife and true detective and there was a couple of these other ones going on like mm. um, Francis McDormand and Woody Harrelson in, in three billboards like this cast has uh, got a lot of cool little other connections in this world and I think halfway through this, it kind of becomes an ensemble piece instead of staying with Charlize. I don't like when movies do that. Like all of a sudden we've got a scene out of this other world, like the lens changes. And I think it takes away from, from the performance uh, in this case. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I really noticed that, but I would say like talking about your experience with coming from Hamilton and hockey and the factories and of course, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, like, was there any moment specifically that was triggering because it like was like what like was there something that happened to you that was similar to that like were you confronted in like a hot oh, or something? Like, no i just remember these scenes of like i would get dragged i didn't want to go and and mm. just the parents being so intense and fighting that, that there would be police there sometimes the paddy wagon they'd have to call and i remember even at that age looking around being like oh man like this is a working town and the hockey game is like one of the only places to go and there's a lot invested mm. in it and it's uh people uh, you know compared to maybe like i don't know more like city folk it, their, their lives are maybe a bit smaller they're very hard i'm not going to mm. say there's, you know, everyone's got a different version of a hard life but their lives their worlds are a little smaller and to the point where the men can't even fathom working alongside women like in in this is the 80s, right? <laughs> and well, then we have this huge town hall scene. I don't know if you want to mention that. That's sort of the big speech that she tries to give. Uh, it's a horrifying scene. Oh, she, so that scene wasn't rehearsed. That scene, she wanted it to be um, like a genuine reaction. Oh, so, it worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when she came in and there were like, I would argue like almost thousands of people there. Like there were a lot of fucking people in that room. It's it was, and then she had to go up and say her point, and then you know they wouldn't listen to her, and she's clearly terrified. And that scene, she's acting that scene so well because you can tell that she's extremely uncomfortable and nervous. But then her dad goes up, mm -hmm. and then he says something, and then suddenly they all listen because you know when a man speaks, that's when <laughs> yeah. you listen. So that kind of got like a little frustrating as well. But then when Jeremy Renner, which by the way, Jeremy Renner was like a little too perfect in this movie. Like, he really picks his moments well. Yeah. Like, I'm like, did you guys just find him at the factory? And you're like, <laughs> oh. Great. Yeah. He's really. <laughs> you want to be in the movie too? Like, um, 
but it's like, like we, need, we need you to be a just a you know it's like guy piece of shit he's like i got this and they're like yeah. whoa <laughs> and the whole thing just unravels the because he says that what he witnessed of the teacher raping her when they yes. were teenagers the moment that he said that one thing it's like suddenly everybody believed her mm-hmm. and believed everything it was just this one moment where now everybody was like yeah. oh now yeah. we believe you yeah just as a viewer that was very annoying because it's like she's been telling you this and literally has had proof the whole movie and no one's listening even her parents but when joe like, dirt says it that's how it went down then it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah you're like they're like springfield like on the simpsons or something like the whole town is like swayed by one thing yeah <laughs> i know yeah, but <laughs> The thing is, is, you know, this is a role that is familiar to Charlize and um, she clearly shone in it. I think that it's very gritty, very realistic. And like you said, they mussed up her beauty and they made her look like they roughed her up a bit. And um, Oh, yeah. Uh, This reminded me of, uh, you probably covered Holly Berry on uh, when she was one for Monsters Ball. But Jim Gaffigan had a joke back in the day where he was like, I don't understand this poor character. She's gorgeous. She could be a model. She just needs to get some pictures together. Right. <laughs> and yeah, so that's and the same as Charlize in North Country. It's like, whoa, she's a model. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about, like, yeah, so many roles where you're like, hmm, okay. Um, well, anyway, all, all this to say about, you know, Charlize in this movie, I think that uh, I've seen this movie before. I love her in it. I love her vulnerability in the performance. I love um, how dark it is and how she allows us to go there with her and her character. Um, I think that there wasn't any specific Oscar moment. I think there were so many Oscar moments like the courtroom and, you know, being attacked and scenes with her kids and the public freakouts. It was all just very real, uh, very believable. And I think that Charlize was the right choice. And uh, I will definitely be watching this movie again. Not anytime soon, but I'll watch it again. Yeah, I think she did a great job with what she had. And I think, again, the parts of the script failed her. I think uh, parts of the editing failed her. I think a lot of the courtroom stuff was really not believable. I don't think that's how things roll in those kind of cases. But you need a movie dramatic ending. But yeah, uh, solid performance for sure. All right. So let us talk about our next nominee we'll talk about felicity huffman in trans america now yeah. she actually filmed this movie before uh desperate housewives came out mm. so she was relatively unknown but then desperate housewives came out and then this movie came out because obviously like release times and stuff like that yeah so her star was really shining bright but it is actually very sad to see that this was actually felicity huffman's only Mm -hmm. oscar nomination and i'm kind of surprised by that because she is incredible in this yeah and even for 2005 though compared to the other films this film is indie like this is an indie movie you can tell a complete uh, passion project um but yeah it is kind of amazing i have seen this back in the day uh the rewatch was extremely fascinating there's kind of a lot to unpack (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I think we're a little bit more educated now yeah. with like, trans lives and, um, you know, trans experiences. And that's certainly a narrative that we're seeing more and more like in the media, which is great. Probably not as much as we should, but, um, you know, we have many stars that are, are trans stars. We have like, you know, Elliot Page or mm-hmm. um, Chaz and uh, Bono and things mm-hmm. like this. But the 
point of this movie is uh, Transamerica is the story of um, a trans female who is on the cusp of getting her um, reassign- gender reassignment surgery. And then she gets a phone call from her son that she didn't even know that she had because um, she had conceived uh, him when, you know, she was in college and still biological male. And mm-hmm. it was like a one night hookup or one night stand or whatever. And then um, she has to go, her therapist will not allow her to have the gender reassignment surgery until she ties up the loose end of knowing her son and he's in jail. And then they drive across America together and then you find out how fucked up the kid is and then she kind of takes on this kind of like a kind of a parent role but Mm -hmm. it's extremely well done because there is a bit of a parent role but also with extreme boundaries because it's like i literally met you like two months ago yeah yeah exactly yeah her son played by this guy who is like not zach efron but is not not zach efron looking <laughs> yeah no he's, totally yeah i was like who is this um and he's a he's a hustler he's like a he's a uh a hooker um got, got busted for drugs and then he kind of does a little bit of hooking like on the way he tries mm-hmm. to make out with uh his father without realizing that it's yeah so is that are they, are they going for a laugh there you know we're in comedy I, but i don't know if they were going for a laugh what were they going for <laughs> i was certainly not laughing i was really really uncomfortable um but overall felicity huffman like i'm surprised that she doesn't get more dramatic roles where she can immerse herself in the character because she truly was a chameleon in this because yeah. she is a cis gendered uh female who is playing a trans female and she carries herself very believably throughout the entire film mm-hmm. that the the illusion is so believable that you don't really question it like i at one point never thought like oh this is i'm very aware that i'm watching a cis female playing a trans female like i didn't think that at all like the way she carries herself the, her clothing the like her posture her voice, um, the makeup. It was like just a flawless technical performance of her just immersing herself in the character. She actually, um, you know, uh, was in character all day, including the voice so that she wouldn't lose uh, it. Ah, really? Yeah. And um, she nicknamed her prosthetic penis Andy. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, and... the movie always takes a turn when um, she needs to use the washroom. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> A lot and, of comedy uh, in those moments. I feel like a lot of trans people, that, that is the thing that they find the most frustrating is the conversation about like genitals. And yes. I feel like that is probably something that doesn't age very right, well. Right. Because you're like you're saying there is a lot of a focus on it, like a lot. And um, you know, I think that overall, like in this movie, because it was produced by William H. Macy, who's her husband, and I think mm-hmm. Felicity Huffman recently has only been in the news for what bribing a uh, college. Amazing other story, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think she went to jail for like a minute, and she um, did, yeah, yeah. But it it just kind of surprises me because like I've seen this movie before, but I never really paid that close of attention to it. And watching it now, I'm like, this is a very good movie with like an incredible performance and i'm just kind of surprised that you don't really see that much from felicity huffman anymore other than like you know her uh her mugshot 
it's crazy what's happened to her life, eh? And yeah. and this was huge. This movie was huge. It was, uh, I, I guess, unprecedented. Um, and I, I agree. Like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this before, like, it's working for me. Like, I am in this enough that I can go along this road trip journey. And I think this movie just fits in pretty well in the genre of just road trip movie. Like, a bunch of crazy shit goes down. Both yeah. of our characters are kind of lost, but together with this big secret that we're waiting to blow up. Um, her her parents, I don't know, that was a different gear. Uh, you got uh, Polly from Rocky as her dad and this other kind of crazy woman who is her mother and says all kinds of terrible things to yeah. her. But I guess I understand that that's trying to highlight the often very difficult relationships that uh people in in this character circumstances live through so yeah i, I couldn't tell um if this was you know like the the ingredients like it was too much comedy spice in some moments and not enough in others but um it holds together pretty well well i think that for me where you know she really really shines is when sh- she's with her family yeah because the whole time that she's with her family, I felt like I was looking into their life. Mm-hmm. I did not for a second think I'm watching Felicity Huffman. I did not no. think, oh, I'm very aware that I'm watching somebody trying to be a trans person. It was so believable. It was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It was very like cringy. Like whenever um, she would just for example, like get dressed for dinner and then her mother would be like, you look ridiculous. And it'd just be super uncomfortable and super cringe to watch. And then you just, I had this moment personally where I'm like, oh my God, I'm watching actors. Yeah. Like it, it just was so believable. Maybe because like, I mean, obviously being trans and being gay is not the same thing, but I do know what it's like to like want your family to accept you. And Mm -hmm. let's say they don't accept you and that fear and that anxiety you know, that's always kind of there. And so those kinds of scenes really resonate with LGBTQ people in general. Yes. And so I, it felt very real to me. It felt very believable. It was just, she carried herself so well that it was like, you know, Felicity Huffman, it's like, she can be very, very feminine, but in this, it's like, she's being a little bit masculine to, yeah. but then also she's being effeminate masculine and it's like how the fuck do you do that like right, she just right. does it so so well and so it's so so believable and all of the really cringy awkward awful family dynamic moments just shows how good the acting was because it was so real absolutely yeah oh very well put i uh i i love all the kind of even more subtle moments like i love that she works like part-time in a little mexican kitchen and then she does the telemarketing i just even I, I think this character overall uh, at this stage in in her development, it's just such an interesting person. And, and it is cool to see trace back to like, what what was the family situation? You know, mm. she's got a sister who the actor, she looks a lot like Maria Bamford, the comic. <laughs> I guess yes. it with her. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, I, did, did you buy, um, so that she can't have the assignment, reassignment surgery because the therapist thinks she's not ready. Did you buy that as realistic or just a plot device? Plot device, because yeah. uh, she seemed very witchy and very new age and very spiritual. Uh, yes. And that was kind of the, and I'm like, I don't know if like a therapist would be like, but 
that was just the impression that I got. I'm, yeah. I'm not an expert on these things, so I don't, I don't know. But and it I, was a different time, I guess, too. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that, um, you know, you really feel her anxiety and vulnerability when, yeah. whenever she's stranded without makeup in the deep south. That was great. Is really just any woman's nightmare. Yeah. Uh, just being stranded in the south. Yeah. With, uh, with no makeup. You know, that's my biggest fear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, being, being stranded without, with I don't wear makeup, but if I was stranded in the South, I'd be like, where is Liz? <laughs> yeah. um, She's just there's so... Always a scene, in, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's always a scene in these movies where they're hitchhiking and then they always get, they always hitchhike with a bunch of like, um, like Mexican workers in the back of a truck. Yeah, there's always poor migrant workers. They pick up, yeah. Or always. The, the hippie guy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, there, there wasn't anything in this movie that was extremely, let's say, groundbreaking other than the fact that it was a trans narrative. And what I mean by that is it's like, oh, I, did, I have a son I didn't know about. Oh, and now we're going on the road. And oh, yeah. along the way, like, we're going to have, like, emotional checkpoints. But it seems so much more interesting and um, different because it is a trans story, which, frankly, like, you just never really see. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that another wonderful moment is whenever uh, she's at the restaurant and that little kid calls her out and says, like, are you a boy or a girl? Yeah. And, uh, or she's in Arkansas. Yeah, she's in Arkansas at that restaurant. And then, you know, she spirals. She calls the therapist. She's crying. And she's she's freaking out because she feels scared and she knows that she's going to be discovered as being a trans woman and she feels unsafe. All of these moments, because I have trans friends, it just felt so real and what a trans person goes through and it's just the illusion that she brought to the screen was so believable mm -hmm. that for one second i did not think that it was anybody else other than the trans woman that she was playing i never for a second thought that it was felicity huffman it, absolutely it's so intensely watchable even the way that she's holding her cup of coffee in the diner like her posture like you said uh, even like another subtle moment I loved is she's first riding along after she picks up Toby, her son, and he's saying he wants to go to LA and dye his hair blonde. And she's driving, she's behind the wheel, and she gets this look on her face, and she's just like, "Oh my God, my son's an idiot!" Like she yeah. first realizes what she's dealing with. I I thought that was a cool, just got again like small subtle moment. Uh, it's a small movie in in scope. It's a it's a road trip movie, so it. it it has to be about these, you know, car conversations and, and, and moments in diners and, yeah, just with, with such a, an amazingly interesting character. Small movie with big moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, they didn't realize, they didn't expect the movie to be as much of a success as it was. Uh, so they actually donated all of the costumes to thrift shops. No, oh, that's it. Get rid of it. <laughs> this will <Yeah>. never go. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, fuck. So, yeah. Um, Okay, well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add to her performance before we move on? Nope, just, uh, yeah, again, kind of a still, after all these years, a very interesting and, and unique uh, project. Uh, one for the ages. Yeah, and hopefully more in the future. Mm -hmm. So this, okay, let us talk about our winner. And I am so excited to talk about this because Reese Witherspoon in Walk the Line this is one of the most argued wins uh, for an Academy Award because so many people 
were either very much like, what? Like, why did she win for that? Because she swept. She won the Critics' Choice. She won mm-hmm. the BAFTA. She won the Golden Globe. She won the Screen Actors Guild Award. Like, she she got the Oscar. Like, she did it. She won everything. Um, and there were some people that were like, wow, like, this is an incredible performance by her. I love her in this movie. She deserves to win. Mm-hmm. And I would actually argue, because a lot of people said that about Julia Roberts' win, and I, I don't agree with that. For me, it is this movie where some people either really understood her nomination and her win, some people did not. I will be honest with you, I have never understood how she won this Oscar. Right. But I will also say that that was kind of, I was really going into this movie um, trying to have an, an open mind and really yeah. try to understand like what it was that they picked up on and, 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 and what it was that ultimately led her to win all of these awards because so many people agreed. And I'm like, was it Harvey Weinstein? Like, I don't right. know. Like, what, what, what was it exactly? So the movie Walk the Line is the story of Johnny Cash and she plays June Carter. And, um, you know, the movie how do I even describe what it's about? You know, it's the story of how Johnny Cash got started and then how he met June Carter. And, um, you know, eventually they both get divorced and then in the end they uh, get together and it's a love story. And it's also a biography about his music. And uh, you should check it out because um, Joaquin Phoenix is arguably the sexiest I've ever seen him in any movie in this movie. So boys, if you like Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> uh, go watch Walk the Line. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash, 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 Cash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what did you think about this movie and what did you think about this performance? <clears throat> I'm with you on a lot of what you said there. Uh, the win makes me think about other Hollywood factors, which I think gets away from yes. trying to well it's art it's hard to adjudicate but uh, there is the singing hollywood loves uh singing jamie fox in ray and you know if you're, it's really your voice you seem to, to really get boosted in the standings to take home the trophy um i do enjoy uh reese witherspoon herself was basically a child star got a very young start as did uh june carter cash who i think was on stage at five years old or something playing with her family uh i love that parallel for them i think the camera just like here nightly absolutely adores her uh she brings a, a sweetness and a toughness to this role which uh unfortunately because it is the johnny cash story involves her basically saving his life time and mm-hmm. time again because he can't mm-hmm. do it for himself but uh they have an undeniable chemistry i love their uh, meet cute you know two characters meet uh, she's uh, got her dress stuck on his guitar. Like they kind of have you, and just our lovers cannot be together yet. There with other partners and families, and so it's really the journey of, I guess, their love story. But uh, but also, yeah, it's I don't know in terms of screen time and and POV and focus. Uh, is this a leading role? I think it's kind of in the middle between leading and supporting. I completely agree with you because she really was playing the supporting character of constantly lifting him up and taking mm-hmm. care of him whenever, mm-hmm. you know, and she created boundaries with him where it's like, you can't be part of my life unless you get yourself clean and sober, get your shit together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did like that, how they met where she's like, I got caught in Johnny Cash's guitar <laughs> strap. <laughs> you know, like that, like just like cute little moments like that. She's very cute, very charismatic, very charming. And, and then you see her go from the way that she is on stage when she's with, uh, audiences and stuff like that to 
uh, like a, the range would be sort of like whenever, um, you know, she sees how much he's suffering and then mm -hmm. how much her life is spiraling because she uh, is getting like another divorce and how this is going to affect her family. And, um, yeah. you know, there, there are certainly a lot of really, like she's the right choice for the role. Yeah. I think that she nails the voice and oh, the accent. Yeah. She actually played all of her own instruments and they are actually performing. Huge um, soundtrack. I, I worked at HMV. I probably mentioned on the show for quite a while. This this soundtrack was enormous. We sold boatloads of it. People, really? John, it was Johnny Cash fever all over again. Wow. Yeah. And um, just a side note, I do absolutely love how in the movie he goes from being a little boy who just walks into his bedroom and then Joaquin Phoenix walks out two yeah. seconds later, but no one else in the movie ages. Like he right. just gets this, this growth spurt immediately. Hello. And, <laughs> yeah. And then like the dad never ages throughout the movie at all. Like they just yeah. make him get a little tired. I'm like, you in your Yeah. Sleep. It's um, a hard, it's a hard, uh, hard life for them. I do really enjoy this. Uh, James Mangold is the director and he directed Logan, the last Wolverine mm -hmm. movie, which I adore. Mm -hmm. I think he's got a great touch, but uh, I'm also ruined watching this because of Dewey Cox, the walk hard story, the comedy with uh, John C. Riley. Have you seen that? No. Well, it's, it's part the story of Johnny Cash, but it's like part Ray. He, it's the doors and you know, Johnny's little brother dies in the sawmill accident and Ray Charles's brother and Ray like drowns in a bucket. And so like in Walk Hard, like uh, Dewey Cox's little brother, like I think he gets hit by a train, he gets shot. Like it's just of course. all yeah. of these kind of movie tropes. But I think it's it's all handled really well. Uh, it's a beautiful film to look at. Um, the jailhouse scene, the performance and stuff. But, but yeah, in terms of like considering Reese's Oscar moments, always effective, she's always with him. But all, again, all of her character stuff, her other divorce, that all happens off screen, but we see all of Johnny's shit, right? Because it's Johnny Cash story. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it, I could definitely see, I, I do remember kind of the controversy about the win, but this was the beginning of like, I think Reese's uh, rise to, she's essentially a Hollywood mogul now, but it was Reese fever, baby. Yeah, I mean, I could probably see her winning this Oscar for Walk the Line over Sandra Bullock winning for, like, um, The Blind Side, for example, because yes. they both have sort of, like, comedy backgrounds, and then, you know, this is a more serious role. Um, uh, frankly, I think I understood, uh, like, I think I, I preferred her performance in something like um, Wild that she was mm -hmm. nominated for. You know, yeah. I, it's just, um, you know, in this movie uh, with Reese, it's like, I think that she, okay, this is my theory. I think the reason why she won is because in the movie, she's so cute and caring and takes care of a disaster of a man. Yes. That it resonated with the old white Academy. Yes. That they had like a little crush on her. And yes. that's why they did it for her. Yes. That's what I think it was. Mother wife figure. I think you're right. And, and let's not be honest. That is the huge like demographic still. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when it comes to Oscar season, Hollywood also just loves stories about itself. Uh, let's be honest. They, they love to fet themselves. But I think you're right. I think it's the saintly, motherly. I mean, the whole movie has a religious, uh, you know, huge religious themes. Uh, it's his salvation. And they, in real life, did go on to live happily ever after. I actually think yeah. Johnny Cash proposed to June on stage in London, Ontario, believe it or not, back in the day. In nineteen sixty-eight. Did you have that? Movie. Oh great. Yeah. yeah. They were like nineteen sixty-eight, Ontario, Canada. I was like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, no. Yeah.
but uh, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know who knows the behind the scenes scenes we don't see. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, in this movie, June Carter, you know, she comes from a Catholic family, Catholic Christian family, and uh, she obviously feels the pressure of the public image. Um, you know, that's that she has to maintain during this time, especially performing in the South, being from the South, because divorce is a big old sin. And oh, yeah. my favorite moment from her in this movie, because I love when they do this in movies where they say the title of the movie in the movie. Yes, me too. She's throwing the beer bottles and she's yes. like, you can't walk no line. I love it. I did that for my <laughs> wife earlier. I'm like, if Kyle doesn't do it, I'm going to say, you can't walk no line. <laughs> <laughs> she said it. She said it. <laughs> um, I love you were it. talking about how you were like feeling kind of triggered and uncomfortable watching the, um, when, Charlie Theron gets called out at the hockey arena. Yeah. Um, when Johnny Cash is in Vegas and he's wasted on stage, that is so triggering for me. Oh my I, god! I'm right not, there with you. Yeah. You know, not not just because not because like I'm a disaster if I'm drunk on stage or something like that. I mean, I've been drunk at karaoke. I'm sure. Who hasn't? But like, I've never been a disaster on stage that drunk. But I will say that I have witnessed it yes. and I know how much of a train wreck it is. And I know that it's so painful for everyone involved because everyone just has to like kind of sit through it and let it happen. And you're just like, Oh God. Oh, it's bad. Really I've, bad. I've definitely been that drunk on stage. In my <laughs> sketch troupe, we did uh, it's really physical comedy number. It's this big elaborate handshake. And I was so wasted at this private show that I started the routine again, not remembering that we'd started it. It's awful. <laughs> like it was bad. Well, let, let me tell you something, girl. I, um, I can be in a time traveling blackout coma, just absolutely <laughs> fucking wasted, and I can still perform my whole set because I go into yeah. autopilot. Yes, and I can do the whole fucking set, and then, um, uh, but that's really scary. And actually, this is you heard it here first. Uh, best actress listeners. I actually gave up drinking. Woo! So yeah, nice. I'm in therapy and shit. And I'm like working through it. So like, yeah, Good, buddy, not, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm like, not, welcome I'm to, to the make, club. Yeah, I'm trying to make material out of it. Uh, yeah. Because normally, like, whenever you tell people that you stop drinking, people are all like, will be like, oh, good for you. But like, when yeah. I tell people that I stop drinking, they're like, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. You gotta use that. Yeah, they're like, you. Does this mean no, uh, no more Lyle? No more Lyle? <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, if I have a new album, because I have to release an album within the next two years, because I have a goal of every three years, but the next album that I release, it's either going to be called A Liability. <laughs> yes. Or I'm going to call it like the some sort of like the, uh, something really wordy, like, I don't know, like the uh, overture and demise. Of, oh, right, right, Lyle, yes. Or something <laughs> like that. But anyway, um, I, I'm excited for this part of my life because it's like, oh my god, I have something to joke about and write about and make it into art, and I'm Absolutely. excited about that. And, and people, into... people have all kinds of different reactions, and they're all equally weird and funny. <laughs> I know. Well, people are like, yeah, like, like good, like you ruined a lot of parties, Kyle. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, like, You'll wow, also find really out funny. who your friends are because some people just don't come around because you're not drinking anymore. It's weird. Well, I'll yeah. be honest with you. I've been avoiding a lot of people as well because a Good. lot of my relationships in life were based around alcohol. Exactly. So. Yep. Yeah. Also dating an Irish person, so that doesn't help. Oh, of course, of course. Fuck. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, let's talk about Reese Witherspoon. So you know, it, it's just she does take on that supportive role, um, and uh, you know, nails the accent. Uh, cute character. You see 
every facet of her character on stage, off stage, personal life, um, uh, in real life, uh, her and Walking Phoenix had a codependent relationship. And they both agreed that uh, if any one of them had to drop out for any reason, the other person would drop out as well because mm. they believed that this was their film. Mm-hmm. Um, they performed all songs and, and instruments. Um, Luther Perkins died in Tennessee uh, in his house with a lit cigarette in his mouth and he died of the injuries. And Luther Perkins was the guitarist that at one point Johnny Cash sees a guitar in his mouth on the tour bus and then he mm. a- puts it in the ashtray. That man in real life died from that same reason. So I think it was kind of like a little... Like a, ah, a little, little nod time. to that, yes. Uh, June Carter Cash actually approved Reese Witherspoon for this role. And uh, despite the movie's depiction, Johnny Cash actually had a drug problem throughout his entire yes. life. So he didn't yeah. just get clean. And this is my fucking favorite part because I was thinking about this show the other day. This film has its origins in an episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman because Johnny Cash was guest starring and he was um, friends with James Seymour and director uh, James uh, Keach, who is James Seymour's husband. And they agreed that they were going to make a movie uh, out of it. And uh, that's how it started. And they started putting everything together. And then it was uh, James Mamgold who actually fought to direct it. And I think that he eventually did. But just the fact that it has its origins in Dr. Quinn Medicine. Is there anything she can't do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just solves everything. Okay. Do you have anything else that you would like to add to the performance before we reveal who we think should have won? uh just again great chemistry i can only imagine like you make a movie like this like uh, these two these two actors you're gonna be in each other's lives like this is a big time relationship even when the movie comes out the press the promo like we saw these two uh, kind of just completely captured in this moment it was a ride they were on kind of like um bradley cooper and lady gaga you know like that kind of thing where they're, they're inseparable right so it's award season and the pressure's on and Joaquin's going to get all this great attention and this and that. But when you actually, the tale of the tape, uh, I don't think this is a leading role, but she's incredible. I wish she'd won Best Supporting. Fair. Okay. So, uh, okay, we'll go ahead and, and reveal who you think. Everyone okay. I think the Best Actress Oscar should have gone to... Kira Knightley. Re- oh, wow. I'm like, okay, why? I feel, uh, again, I think last last the podcast too, I was airing on the more subtle performances. And I think this beautiful film uh, gives the playing ground, gives the space for, for kind of all the Oscar moments you could possibly like. And uh, it's a period piece this year. Uh, had a lot of strange movies, a lot of Americana uh, I think this uh, this film, this performance stands the test of time. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. I love that. A lot of people were really rooting for her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that you said that. But I think the last uh, episode that you were on, didn't you pick Charlotte Rampling for yeah. like 45 years? And yeah. I was like, yeah maybe i'm like now like the dark horse or something i don't know <laughs> yeah, I, I love it you always blow my mind this is great okay uh well okay uh i think the oscar should have gone to felicity huffman in transamerica i mean nice. for me it was just it's a fritz bernays like i yes watching all of the films and watching the caliber of talent and how much she immersed herself in this character 
It was just, I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that she is a cis woman yeah. playing a, uh, a assigned male at birth character who is now trans female. And she does it so believably. Yes. And all, I just felt like I was watching a real person and every family moment was so realistic to me and very believable. And I just felt like I was peeking in on her life and her journey. Yeah. And I am so sad to see that, you know, her big movie career kind of ended after this, you know, and uh, I really hope that she gets out of jail soon yeah. or maybe yeah. she is out already, but I, I would love to see her in more roles like this because she absolutely nailed it. And um, yeah, I don't understand why Reese Witherspoon fucking won. Okay. I really, <laughs> really do not understand it. I've watched this movie. I have considered it. It, it was supporting 100%. I also agree with you. She should have won supporting uh, you know, instead of Rachel Weiss for the constant gardener, I don't know. But the point is, is like, I cannot wrap my mind around. Maybe, maybe I'm just not educated enough. I don't know, but I <laughs> do not understand how she won this Oscar. I genuinely don't. This is my biggest WTF Oscar wins, I think, ever of my entire. Whoa, life. you heard it here, folks. Yeah, I don't get it. I've seen this movie so many times, and I just, I will not get it. I do not get it. I do Love not it. get it. Love it. Great choice. I think Transamerica, uh, more than any of these films by a long shot, it, it's a, it approaches like it's like a historical artifact. Uh, it it will keep the conversation around casting and projects like this. You know, you've got the Danish girl with Eddie Redmayne. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but it's it. this performance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this performance, though, it's it's unforgettable. And I think it's one that people will keep revisiting as long as it's you know on streaming services and, and such but yeah what an interesting story combined with uh, uh quite an unbelievable real life story of a, another kind for this uh for this artist this uh this actor felicity huffman amazing absolutely i love it oh my god okay david thank you so much for doing this again Woo! where can people find you on social media oh sure at brennan david n on instagram and twitter and all that good stuff all right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I will definitely have you back soon. Woohoo! Love it.